world's favorite game. We're back with another episode. Yeah, you know, we got all of the biggest names, all the biggest brands. That's how we do it. Talking about the biggest headlines in football, specifically world football, you know, not any one country in particular. We've got Arsenal winning the Community Shield. Shout out to the Gunners. We've got USA being knocked out in the Women's World Cup. Shock, horror. Inter Miami making new signings. And a little roundup of all of the transfers and the transfer gossip, the transfer news, you know, all that good stuff. Um, Firstly, I must say that I've had a bit of a drink today. Um, It's the first time that I've had a drink all year. So uh, you can forgive me for that. And it was Arsenal in a cup final against Manchester City. So, yeah, I think you can have a beer for the cup final really can't you? so forgive me if I'm uh, coming across as a bit lethargic today but that will be the reason why but um, yeah let's get on with the show man let's get on with the show like I said we've got all of the biggest brands let's go through some of them we've got ESPN we've got BBC we've got one or two that you might not expect as well you know TNT Sports is in there sometimes I click on Eurosport and TNT Sport pops up but you know it's okay it looks like there's some mergers and acquisitions happening there something like that some business stuff going on one or two names that you might not expect like Forbes and Financial Times I know right what are we doing with articles from Forbes and Financial Times well you know it's, it's maybe it's a bit more than football that you get here on Words um world's favorite game and also an interesting one from Reuters I never did know how to say that probably is it Reuters or Reuters looks like a Dutch German kind of name Reuters anyway we got something from them huge media outlet um so yeah uh, without further ado let's go hey you know what we've also got something from myself I actually wrote an article which we could discuss but I'm not so sure if we are going to discuss that or not I might just put that in the show notes so you guys can read it if you fancy but let's get on with the show ladies first right over to the world cup the women's world cup in 2023 of course and guess what happens the cup holders the current world champions got knocked out we're in the knockout stages the round of 16 and the current world champions got knocked out of the tournament it's a bit of a drama here got an article from the bbc where they're saying um, it's a catastrophe. <laughs> That's literally the word that they used in the title. I'm not. I'm not glorifying this. I'm not, you know, exaggerating this and making it look worse than it is. They've used the word catastrophe, but they've also gone on to say why exit of Holders USA was a predictable catastrophe. And if you read this article, you get the sense that they felt like this was an accident waiting to happen. Um, so. Yeah, all is not well in the Women's World Cup for the USA. Things aren't going too well in their camp. They got dumped out by Sweden. It, you know, to be fair, I was watching this game earlier this morning, right? And I actually thought it was it was a decent game. There was a couple of bits of quality. Went to penalties. You know, Sweden won a penalty shootout. You never know what's going to happen when it goes to a penalty shootout, right? So, 
yeah, I mean, I, I think Sweden are good value for it. You know, they beat the world champions. You know, they won the game. They go through. Maybe you might feel something different. You might feel like America were robbed and they should have gone through. But that's football. That is football. Shout out to the Swedes anyway. They went through. Ulrika Johnson and them lot there. You know what I mean? Swiftly moving on. Looking at the fixtures, right? Tomorrow, we've got England versus Nigeria. Now, I would love to watch that match. But again, this Women's World Cup is happening at the most awkward time for me. Because that's the time when I'm supposed to be at work. So, I can't really watch these matches, unfortunately. But, shout out to the Lionesses. It's, like I say, it's the round of 16. They're going to need a dub here. Otherwise, they're out of the tournament. So, come on, you Lionesses. Let's get that win. Um, someone who did get that win is Arsenal Football Club the mighty gunners themselves now I know I said I wasn't going to talk about Premier League English football and all that but look the, the league season is almost upon us the English Football League season is upon us um, I actually was watching Cardiff versus Leeds earlier I was actually supporting Cardiff in that match because uh, ex-Arsenal player Aaron Ramsey's playing for Cardiff. It's funny enough, um, you know, we talk about the Saudi revolution on this podcast, don't we? And Aaron actually recently said that he turned down a move to Saudi Arabia so that he could go back to Cardiff because, you know, he's Welsh. And they were winning 2-0. I was supporting Cardiff. I was well happy. And then Leeds came back to draw the game 2-2. So, and that's officially the start of the English Football League. So all of the Championship, League 1 and League 2 teams have started their league now and the Premier League kickoff is not that far away as we all know us fans of English football we know the Charity Shield is the game that happens just before the Premier League kicks off and it's usually the winner of the FA Cup versus the winner of the Premier League and with Manchester City winning those titles it kind of goes down to whoever else was uh, available second in the Premier League that's going to be Arsenal so Arsenal versus City good game lots of good play lots and lots of good play obviously being a final it was a bit tight now some people would say Manchester City they weren't as well prepared as Arsenal were right because I think Manchester City's pre-season didn't start until the 23rd let me get my facts straight and double check that. All right. Their preseason started. Yep. On the 23rd. I did get that right. That was in a J League World Challenge. Sounds like they went over to Japan to play F Marinos. And they won that one 5-3. So their preseason started on the 23rd. And then they played three matches. Right. F Marinos. Bayern Munich. And Atletico. So... They come to the Charity Shield with three matches under the belt, having started on the 23rd. But Arsenal, we started our pre-season a bit earlier, right? We started our first pre-season game on the 13th. So that's kind of like two weeks. We had two weeks more of pre-season than Man City did. They were on the beach, they were on holiday, they were relaxing. Or maybe they were running and they were doing their sort of training camp while we were actually playing matches and building up match, match sharpness, excuse me. And so Arsenal on the 13th of July, 
we played Nuremberg and then we went to the MLS All-Star matches which we talked about over here and then we played Manchester United and then Barcelona and then Monaco and here we are now in the Community Shield so Arsenal has been playing for almost almost a month now since the 30th of July to the 6th of August so you'd expect the Arsenal team to be pretty sharp but you know the Man City team maybe not as sharp that's the point of it really so yeah I guess you could say maybe Arsenal will have some sort of an advantage there but anyway it's a title right it's the community shield both teams are going to want to win it Manchester City have a whole lot of quality on display I can imagine some critics would also say well City have sold a lot of players they've lost Mares. There's um, there's a, there's a lot of uh, transfer speculation about other players that might go. Gundogan's gone, so is it really the best version of City? Well, I mean, all of their strong players that are still at the club were there. It's not like they had loads of injuries. The team lineup was absolutely incredible, and it was two good teams heading up against each other and a fantastic game of football if you ask me my opinion Arsenal just got the better of them really I mean I mean yeah, I, I know I'm an Arsenal fan I'm a bit biased so it's, it's difficult to talk about this at length really because I'm going to come probably the longer I talk about it the more biased I'm going to seem right <laughs> but okay let's, let's try and be balanced Arsenal were losing the game 1-0 although there were some good chances. Kai Havertz had a really good chance in the first half. I thought he was going to score that. And there were more chances in the second half, but we didn't get anything in, right? But like I say, City put a strong team out there. They had um, Walker, Stones, Diaz, Akanji, Rodri, Kovacic, Bernardo, Grealish, Alvarez and Haaland. Yeah? And then they had players on the bench like Foden, Palmer and De Bruyne. Palmer actually came off the bench and scored the goal. It was a fantastic goal that he scored as well on his left foot, just inside the box, whipping it around the keeper. It was a beautiful goal. It was kind of like, well, you've lost Morris, but now you can just play Palmer on the right. Maybe Palmer's actually finally come of age and can now actually replace Riyad Morris. Maybe that's one reason why they won't be going into the market to replace him, you know, we'll see. And um, I've got this article from TNT Sports where they cover the match. It's really, 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 really good. You guys will probably enjoy reading that. That'll be in the show notes. They've got player ratings in. And if you look at their player ratings, they've kind of rated the City players higher than they've rated the Arsenal players. So make of that what you will. That kind of tells its own story, doesn't it? Um, Ortega, the goalkeeper, he's gone eight. Stones has got an 8 Rodri's got an 8 Kovacic has got an 8 But Haaland 5 Yeah So uh, If you remember He wasn't in the greatest form Towards the end of last season He went on a bit of a goal drought Maybe Teams started to work him out A little bit Um, Arsenal had Saliba Doing a man marking job on Haaland And Saliba's rating 9 Yeah uh, ben White put up an 8 Timber put up an 8 And pretty much everyone else that I haven't mentioned Was like 7s Or you know the odd 6 here or there And uh, Trossard came off the bench And got the goal for Arsenal 
it was a uh, a little bit j- jammy, right? There's a little bit of fortune there, but to be fair, I like that phrase. You make your own luck because what he did was he was just being very positive, running at City's defense, beat a player, smashed it at the goalkeeper. But it was one of those things where he was aiming for like far corner, and then the defender kind of deflected it, and it went. Like you know, wrong-footed the keeper. The keeper went to save it where the ball looked like it was going, and then it got deflected and it went kind of right down the middle, really. And the keeper just kind of dived out of the way because he thought it was going in the, to the corner, to the far corner. But you take those, man. You take those. Um, he earned it. It was a really good effort, good goal. Atrosar has been playing absolutely incredibly for Arsenal since he signed. And his form seems to be continuing. So I'm hoping he can somehow force his way into the first team. Everybody loves seeing Trossard when he plays. But Arsenal's team's so good. It's like, who do you drop? Who do you drop for Trossard? You can't drop anybody because everyone's playing good. <laughs> the team finished second in the league. So, yeah, that's about the size of it. But, you know, we went to penalties. It was a great penalty shootout. It was a bit of a nervy occasion. Ramsdale, shout out to Goatsdale. Yeah, we're talking about the goat here, the hero, the penalty kick hero saved the penalty. To be fair, Rodri didn't exactly take the perfect penalty. He didn't like smash it with an incredible amount of power or place it into the corner where it was difficult for the goalkeeper. He kind of scuffed it and it went mid middle centerish, like kind of scuffed it to the keeper's right. And Ramsdale read where he was going, made the save, you know, he made the save. To be fair, it could have been one of those things where the keeper thought he was going to the other side of the goal and he dived in the opposite direction, but he didn't. He read it and he guessed correctly which way that the player was going to go and made the save. So shout out to Ramsdale. Arsenal players did their job to put the ball in the back of the net. And it was Fabio Vieira who took the last kick, the pressure kick before that. Kevin De Bruyne had to take his penalty as well, didn't he? And he missed it. He absolutely smashed it against the the bar. I wanted to say the frame of the goal, but bar sounds more accurate, doesn't it? Because like for the for the listeners then that didn't see the game, you know, you're gonna try and get your mental model going on based on what I say, right? So let's say he smashed it against the bar. Right, Ramsdale didn't have a chance. He was diving in the opposite direction. He didn't read this one, and it's one of those things where Kevin De Bruyne is such a cool head on him, such a quality player. You just expect him to score those. You're just thinking KDB, yeah, he's scoring that, but he didn't. And maybe going back to this argument about the preseason preparation, would KDB score that a few weeks from now if he had to take a penalty when? He was a bit more sharp when he's played more football. Would he miss? Probably not. So, you know, maybe there's something in that debate there. But at the end of the day, Arsenal won the trophy, man. Arsenal are the Community Shield champions. It's a great way to start off the season. Me being an Arsenal fan, I'm super stoked. I've talked about this at length. I probably should move on, but you know what it is. I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm absolutely milking this. It's the first trophy and hopefully it's the start of many we got to see all of the quality new signings in the team unfortunately Gabriel Jesus was injured but that gave way for Kai Havertz to play as a striker and I've actually been 
having some debates with people on social media about this, right? And honestly, a lot of people think they want to see Kai Havertz return to the way that he was when he was at Leverkusen because that's, that's our idea of his best form, right? The boy from Leverkusen that was absolutely smashing it playing as an attacking midfielder and that's the boy that Chelsea signed. But when Chelsea signed him, he didn't rediscover that same form that he had at Leverkusen, right? So everyone was thinking they weren't using him properly. Arsenal signed him. And it's like, yeah, we want to see the boy from Leverkusen again, play him in midfield. Now, he's played in midfield in pre-season. And to be honest with you, I don't think he's been that great there. And I think replacing Granit Xhaka is a really big deal. I don't think Kai Havertz is best placed to do that. Maybe he can do a job. Maybe against the lesser sides. Okay, that could work. But I don't think I don't think he's got the same qualities. I don't think he's got the same tools in his toolbox that Granite Jacker had. Granite Jacker had a different set of tools for that job. Tools that were perfect for that job. And I think Kai Havertz is probably better suited to playing up top as a big target man, number nine, you know battle with the defenders hold the ball up bring other players into the game when you get a chance take your chances you know if we want to swing the ball into him he can win the headers and he's got a bit of tech and he can play do you know what I mean because the thing is the thing that I've realised is that he's grown when he was at Leverkusen he was a young lad but he was still growing wasn't he because he's young and you know what youngers do they grow that's what they do right and he's now six foot four so I haven't done my research on this yet. So maybe somebody could prove this theory wrong. But I'm thinking how many six foot four centre midfielders are there in the top European leagues? Like how many? Hey, let's let's extend that a little bit. Right. Let's not just talk about European leagues because this is the world's favourite game. We talk about world football. Right. So in all of the leagues that people watch, that people know, how many top quality centre midfielders are six foot four and around that kind of height because I don't know how many there are I know Rodri's quite a big lad he might be six foot four he's a big guy but then he plays like a defensive midfield kind of role and I'm more talking about someone who's playing next to Martin Odegaard in a more advanced kind of role like you've got Thomas Partey behind you as your anchor and you're now doing more of a box to box kind of a midfield role how many players are there in centre midfield of that kind of height, that kind of frame? I feel like that profile is screaming, I'm not very agile, I'm not very mobile. Don't get me wrong, there's always the old alien here or there. There's always someone like Zlatan Ibrahimovic where he's, you know, he's big and he's tall and he's still as agile as a cat. Like he's an absolute freak, wasn't he? But for the most part, I think the big and tall players aren't going to be that graceful on the ball. And for example, I was just talking about Trossard, wasn't I? So I think if you compare Trossard to Havertz, I think Trossard might be more better suited for being an attack-minded player in midfield, if that's what you want. Or Declan Rice might be better suited for being a more kind of solid, defensively solid and just all-round better midfield player. Because, you know, Declan, is he's the man that can do it all. He's the £100 million man. Like, you know, he can beat players he's got an eye for a pass he can tackle and stick his foot in and win the ball 
he can do everything he can shoot he can score from midfield and I think he is a perfect replacement for Xhaka to play that left centre mid kind of role or as Arsenal fans have been calling it the left eight the left eight role so yeah for me Rice is perfect for it Havertz is maybe it's more like experimenting in pre-season from Arte because he just wants to see how does Hazard excuse me how does Havertz look in this role maybe he's figured things out for himself maybe Mikel thinks yeah you know it's not really the best having Havertz there in midfield like that maybe it's better to play him up top as a striker Jesus was injured Havertz was playing up top as a striker and I think he had a good game I think it was a good performance and I would like to see him do that you know fans want to see Arsenal sign another striker I've seen fans talking about Ivan Tony coming in or Vlahovic someone like that to be fair most people are saying they want us to sign Ivan Tony and I've been on the play on podcast before and talked about how much I like Ivan Tony and I would love to see Ivan Tony at Arsenal not gonna lie about that but now that we've got Kai Havertz I do think that he can do that job for us and I know he didn't have the most prolific goal scoring season as a striker at Chelsea last season but the way I see it is he's had one season playing as a striker under his belt just one and he's very much learning that role and let's be honest things haven't been great at Chelsea so it hasn't been ideal he hasn't been in the ideal learning environment but at Arsenal with a coach like Mikel Arteta and with all of these fantastic players around him Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard I think Havertz as a number nine I think that works and I think now with Jesus out injured that is going to give Havertz the perfect opportunity to show us all what he can do as a striker and I think he will be successful I'm quite hopeful that we're going to see Havertz be a successful striking option for Arsenal and you know and maybe we won't need to go back into the market maybe we won't need to go for Ivan Tony. although if the money's there I still feel like we should get Ivan Tony because I think he would be a fantastic addition to the squad it's looking like Balogun's on his way out so you could be a Balogun out and use that money to buy Tony kind of situation I'd still love to see Arsenal go for maybe someone who can rotate with Saka on right wing although again I think Havertz could potentially do that you know against the lesser side you could probably play Havertz on the right wing he could cut inside on his left and smash it at the keeper it could be dangerous that could work we've also got you know the likes of Reese Nelson who can play on the right wing um, so yeah it, yeah. I mean I'm talking about Arsenal a bit too much now aren't I but it's the club that I love so you'll have to forgive me for that Timber had a fantastic performance he's been good in the preseason, and he looks like he's going to be someone that can play right across the back line for Arsenal played at left back and you know made a load of solid tackles just guys just mustered man came up with that total football at Ajax and had a good World Cup for Holland. Um, I put him in my team of the best young players at the World Cup. And now he pops up at Arsenal. I'm well chuffed about that. Um, but I would love to see if Arsenal can go for Kudus. That would be fantastic. But there's actually some news we can talk about Kudus a bit later. Um, what, what else? Well, so we talked about Rice. Rice had a good performance as well. Um so Rice, Timber, Havertz yeah all the new signings have looked good against Manchester City 
we've won a trophy this is it's an ideal start to the season for Arsenal fans we can all get excited Fabio Vieira scored the winning penalty the one that won the trophy for us that's going to do wonders for his confidence if you saw the pen as well like it was a confident penalty the keeper guessed the right way but he smashed it with so much venom into the top bins keeper couldn't get there so yeah hopefully we're going to see a more confident Fabio Vieira playing for us this season and it's all positive man it's all positive going into the season with a win who knows what can happen next this could be the first trophy of many up the gunners well from the charity shield over to the MLS now this is quite a fun story that we can talk about here right so as you guys know I've been watching MLS and I've been supporting Inter Miami over there right Leo Messi signed it's been absolutely fantastic now the thing is I forgot to talk about the celebration that he did right so if you're a Messi fan or if you've just seen Messi play before and score and celebrate you might remember the goal celebration he usually does where he puts his hands to the sky and it kind of looks like a religious kind of looking up to the God in the clouds above and you know like thank you God and dedicating this this goal he's just scored to the creator right fantastic celebration we like to see that kind of thing but when he played for Miami recently he popped up with a new goal celebration so this was against Atlanta United right and there was all kinds of speculation Um, he scored a goal and when he celebrated the goal he did like a motion towards the camera now I heard one theory that now David Beckham was standing next to or standing opposite him so I heard one theory that he was it was a gesture towards David Beckham what he was doing um, there was another theory that what he was doing was because what, what he was doing was he was holding his hand out and so there was one uh, theory that it was like it was a banter celebration like hold my beer <laughs> do you know what I mean like I've just scored hold my beer I'm playing well um, I'm going back to score another one or something like that I don't know it doesn't really make much sense but that's what some people thought it was um, the Beckham idea was okay it could be like I'm putting my arm out to hold a trophy like Beckham I'm grabbing the trophy we're going to win something um, okay so that was another theory but I found this article by 90 minutes right yeah okay not the most reputable source but you know it's, it's, they're talking football over there it's alright it's alright so what they're saying here is before smiling and walking back to the centre circle Messi celebrated by standing motionless holding his arm out for a moment with an open hand and looking directly into one of the cameras um, so people were speculating about it but it appears Messi's wife Antonella Rocuzzo has confirmed its intentions and why is her name Rocuzzo isn't her last name supposed to be Messi or something what's going on here but anyway so she actually posted on Instagram and she put a picture on her story with a Thor sticker so that implies that the celebration was dedicated to Messi's son Tiago who is an enormous fan of the Marvel character so totally different to something for Beckham or 
hold my beer or I'm going to win a trophy or whatever it is. It seems like it's just a goal celebration dedicated to his child because his child loves Marvel and his child loves Thor. So, you know, like the Thor thing he does when he sticks his arm out and he's like, to me, my hammer. And the hammer just kind of flies into his hand. He was doing that. So that's kind of cool. Isn't it? That's a, a cool goal celebration from Leo Messi, dedicating something to his child, which is something you love to see. Now, going on from the goal celebration against Atal- Atlanta, there was another goal celebration against Orlando. Now, I thought, okay, now that we've seen this sticking your hand out celebration, this is going to be the new Messi celebration in Miami that we're going to be seeing every week, going to be banging goals every week and doing the four celebrations. So I was looking forward to seeing it again, but he did something else. And ESPNFC uh, put out a little tweet where they said, Antonella, Messi's wife, confirmed that this celebration was a Black Panther reference. So he was doing, you know, the arms crossed, the Black Panther celebration, (laughs) which I think is kind of cool that, you know, his kids love Marvel and he's now celebrating his goals and doing Marvel-inspired goal celebrations uh, for his kids to enjoy. I think that's absolutely fantastic. I'm loving this little goal celebrations change up from Messi it's keeping us guessing because now you think ooh what's he going to do next you know who knows what he's going to do next um, but yeah um, there's still lots of uh, love coming Messi's way um, the last match that Miami played was against Orlando and Rick Ross popped down and there was a little interview of him I've got a little clip of that interview where Rick Ross talks up Leo Messi and gives him a big welcome to Miami I think that's great one of the locals there giving Messi a shout out and saying that he's welcome and I hope this continues I hope there's going to be more celebrities coming down to see Leo Messi and people doing interviews this is great but yeah on a quick recap in Miami won 3-1 over Orlando City two goals from Leo Messi one from Joseph Martinez and it was an assist from Martinez, uh, I remember, for one of Messi's goals, which was a good assist. He just kind of dinked it up into the air and Messi volleyed it home. Like, they're really playing really well over there. I'm really excited about how Inter Miami's team is coming together. And this actually is a local derby. I looked it up the other day, right? And um, I even found a forum with some Miami fans. So I got chatting with some Miami fans and talking to them about rivals. And they were saying, this is the closest team to them right I looked up I looked it up on Google Maps and everything <laughs> and actually it's about 200 miles away Orlando is about 200 miles away from Miami but it's the closest team so this is the closest thing they've got to a local derby and Leo Messi put them to the sword boy a 3-1 win in the local derby against Orlando City so yeah uh I've got an article here about that match. Some statistics in there. 63.8% possession. Just absolutely bonkers what's going on there. Um, We can talk a bit more about match possession later. But yeah, that's a good performance, man. That's a really good performance. I'm liking the way that the team is shaping up. You know, you've got Messi on the right wing. You've got Busquets in centre midfield. And in this match... The new boy who signed for Inter Miami, Jordi Alba, made his 
debut. So that is obviously a fantastic signing. It's one that's been announced a long time ago. But he's only just made his debut in the last match against Orlando. And he signed a contract through to 2024. And there's an option to extend it. The option for the club to extend it to 2025. So Jordi Alba on the left of the fence with Busquets in midfield Messi up front and it's an old Barcelona trio they've played so many games together they must know each other's game inside out uh, obviously Busquets and Alba are both Spanish internationals this is a ridiculous lineup a ridiculous lineup for the MLS to have those three in their team uh, the football that we're going to see it's just going to be absolutely fantastic I'm really excited about seeing them he's 34 years old now so they might get a, a good couple of years out of him they might get a good couple of years out of him we'll see I'm not so sure how you know like some people are just like naturally fit they're like natural athletes and you feel like they could play till they're like 40 years old or something I'm not so sure if he's going to be that kind of player but we'll see won't we like he's got a one year deal with option to extend for another one and I'm sure he's very welcome over there man he's going to bring some quality to Inter Miami which is great but he's not the only new signing. They've also signed another youngster, an Argentine defender called Thomas Aviles, right? So he's got a contract through to 2026 with options to extend to 2027 and 2028. And I feel like this is a really good business for the club because clearly they're not just signing these experienced players on like short-term one-year deals they're also going for youth with plans to extend them uh well obviously if they do well uh and look after the future so this Aviles is only 19 years old and he made his professional debut with Racing Racing Club in Argentina and he's made 20 total appearances since playing for them in 2022 and he's also played in the Copa Libertadores, which is kind of like the South American Champions League. So he, he must be promising. He, if he's playing in the Champions League in South America, he must be a promising player. And I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm, I'm just starting to really believe in the movement and what's happening in the club right now. It's super exciting. Um, so I've got an article here from ESPN where they do a little bit of a wrap-up on the new young players that Inter Miami have signed because it's not just Avilas, right? So they have signed Avilas, but they've also signed Facundo Farias, who I talked about on the last episode, and Diego Gomez, who I haven't talked about yet. Now, this Diego Gomez, right? He's 20 years old and he's going to play in midfield. I, I couldn't tell you anything about his game. I haven't seen him yet. But they're saying he's a Paraguay international. So you know what these South American types are like. They're usually got good technique and they're really dogged and determined and they run and run and run and run. So 20 years old, obviously he's the one that's going to have the legs, right? And then you play him next to Busquets and Busquets is going to have the guile and, you know, the, the cool head on his shoulders playing next to this young buck who's just going to be getting messy. He's going to be grimy. They're saying that he's got capacity to work as a box-to-box -box player but maybe by nature he's more of an attack-minded midfielder but he does have the physical capacity for 
that more expansive game. So yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how that one works out. Although it does look like, yeah, he's going to be attacking going forward and providing the legs so that Busquets can kind of sit back and look after things maybe, um, which I think is a great idea. Um, you don't want to overextend Busquets, you know. You, you want him to kind of just keep things ticking over. I think that sounds, that sounds like a good idea to me. This Facundo Farias, they're comparing him. That I've seen comparisons. I don't think it's in this article here, but I've seen comparisons that where they're saying that he's like a a Tevez kind of player. If anybody remembers Tevez, um, he might be more well-known for playing for Manchester United in the Premier League. He was a fantastic player. He was. He was absolutely incredible. So it's a really good comparison. He's only 20 years old. If he does have that kind of potential to become a Tevez kind of player, then he's going to be brilliant. But I wonder if it's more just physically because of how he looks. One, because he's obviously Argentinian. And two, because apparently he's quite a stocky player. So straight away you would think, oh, Tevez, like he's an attacking player and he's stocky in his opportunity. Yeah, looks like Tevez. But I'm excited to see his game, right, for Kundal Farias. And obviously the, the new player I just talked about, he's a centre-back. He's 19 years old. So if you look at the plan here, they've got a centre-back, a centre midfielder and an attacking player. So apparently Farias can play on the right wing or he can play in behind the striker as like a number 10. So they're saying, yeah, I mean, it's kind of similar positions to what Messi plays. But they could probably play together. And if you need to rest Messi, then, you know, this guy can be the Messi replacement. So it looks good to me, man. It looks good. It looks good that they've got young players with high potential in every area of the pitch. A defender, a midfielder and a striker. So that is, for me, that is fantastic recruitment from Inter Miami. Like I say, I'm really impressed with what they're doing over there. Um, there's another article here from MLS Soccer where they're doing a bit of a wrap up on the transfer window for Inter Miami. Uh, you know, they're talking about Messi, Busquets, Alba and those three young players that I've just mentioned. There's some details here about the MLS system. You know, we need to level up and uh, get to know exactly how things work over there because things do not work over there like how they do work in Europe. So you can read on this and get your knowledge about the salary cap and the designated players, the under 22 initiative and all this kind of stuff. And there's links to get more information as well. So that's going to be in the show notes if anyone wants to read up on that. But we're going to go over to Forbes where they've got an article here about Iniesta. Now, the thing about Iniesta is He's a legend, but he's aging a bit, isn't he? He's 39 years old now. So you'd think, how much longer has he got left? He's just left a club in Japan. But they've said here in this article, he has an agreement in principle to join his former teammates, Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets at Inter Miami. So that was something that Forbes said in an article dated 20th of July. However, big however, I found this other article from, I have no idea what this publication is, but like I say, I'm looking for information from 
the other side of the world to me so there might be publications that are good that I don't know about so I'm trying them this one called El Futbolero I hope I pronounced that okay and what they've said is Iniesta will not play at Inter Miami now that's obviously disappointing to hear from Miami fans but apparently this deal isn't going to work out and the reason is what do you think the reason is because Iniesta has interesting offers from clubs in Saudi Arabia and the soccer player wishes to retire in that country earning a million dollar salary the Saudis are coming the Saudis are crashing the deals can you imagine reuniting Busquets Iniesta Alba and Messi that would have been insane however they might miss out on Iniesta but apparently Luis Suarez is still in the works Luis Suarez is still in the mix so we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see they're saying here this one looks like gossip but they're saying the United States press has reported that Inter Miami will sign Suarez for the following MLS season so we're currently in the middle of the 2023 season and they're saying the Uruguay striker will leave Gremio that's the club he plays for in Brazil and link up with Lionel Messi in 2024 so that's positive news that's saying next season Luis Suarez will be an Inter Miami player I do like that um, so on to the article that I published just earlier today uh, what I did was a quick bio on Gerardo Martino because I didn't know a whole lot about the manager of Inter Miami I thought you know what I'm looking at all of these players I've seen a couple of games but what's going on with the coach so I wrote a little bio about him again this is going to be in the show notes if you guys want to go ahead and read this bio you can go ahead and do that I can tell you that this man is a really good appointment He's done so much. He's managed national teams. He's managed Mexico. He's managed Paraguay. He's been. A, he was a former player, um, and he was a legendary player for his hometown club. Um, he's got a number of accolades. He won the Concacaf Gold Cup. He won uh, an MLS Coach of the Year. Formerly managed a club in MLS, and he won the Supercopa de España, which is like. Um, almost like a charity shield kind of thing or you know like a, in Europe they did European Super Cup which is like the winner of the Champions League versus the winner of the Europa League it's kind of like that in Spain like the winner of the cup versus the winner of the league so yeah kind of like winning the charity shield so he managed Barcelona and he won the Super Cup of the España um, and yeah he was named South American Coach of the Year when he was managing in South America He's managed Argentina. Like his his CV is certified. It's absolutely certified. They couldn't have hoped to get a better coach, in my opinion. And he plays good football, man. He, he uses the 4-3-3. If you've watched Inter Miami recently, you've noticed that Messi's been starting on the right-hand side. Messi on the right, Joseph Martinez through the middle, and uh, Taylor on the left. You know? He likes the tiki taka. He likes his teams to play out from the back. Uh, he's uh, in favour of youth development. I've literally detailed a whole lot of stuff here in this article. So you guys can go ahead and read that. Um, and there's also a little clip that you can watch 
where you can see an example of the kind of passing game that they're playing over there under Martino. Swiftly moving on, we've got a little bit of Saudi talk, right? So we know the Saudis aren't slowing down. They might be signing Iniesta to their league. And the Financial Times has written an interesting article here about their activities. They say that they've spent 430 million euros on their summer spending. 430 million euros. That's the net transfer spending by the Pro League teams. Now, there's a lot in this article. So I'm not going to read everything, but yeah, it's really interesting, man. It is really, 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 really interesting. Like, as you can see, all of these media outlets are taking an interest in what's going on in Saudi Arabia and following the progress. In this article, they tell us that Al Nassar has signed former Liverpool forward Sadio Mane from Bayern Munich for a reported 30 million euros so come on man that's absolutely incredible isn't it that's straight from Bayern Munich over to Saudi Arabia signing a quality player Sadio Mane he's linking up with Raudo I saw some highlights I found uh, I remember last time I spoke to you guys I was saying how I'm looking for a way to watch the Saudi matches right apparently they're in discussion still with who's going to show who's going to get the rights to show Saudi matches in the UK apparently that's still up in the air I've seen some reports that it's going to be on Sky Sports but I don't think that's available yet there is an app though an app called Shahib and you can actually watch highlights on YouTube so I found some highlights of Ronaldo's club Al Nassar and this was the game where Sadio Mane made his debut unfortunately they don't have English commentary <laughs> so um, you'll have to listen to Saudi Arabian commentary but they gave us a lengthy amount of highlights it's like 20 minutes long which is interesting so yeah so I've got a way to watch some highlights which is good on the Al Nassar YouTube channel I can watch their matches but there is looking like there's a subscription package which you can get so maybe you can just get the subscription and it's, in, it's available to international users as well. So we don't have to be based in Saudi to be able to get a Shahid package and watch the football. And the times that the games are on seem quite, seems quite reasonable for us. It's all like 7 p.m. and stuff like that. So yeah, when I get more info, when I get everything 100% sorted, I'll let you guys know. But it's looking like I'm going to be able to follow this Saudi league a bit better. And with Mane and Ronaldo in the same team, I mean, come on, man. It's going to be worth watching it. Um, one interesting point I'd like to mention from this Financial Times article is... I'm not going to talk too much about it because I still haven't done my research into this kind of thing. But remember, I told you guys that there could be some controversy behind what's going on with Saudi, right? And they've said here that the vast outlay by Saudi clubs has led to accusations by human rights groups that the state's efforts to improve its league amounts to sports washing. So I'll leave you to think about what they're trying to say there. 
but there's there's there might be more than what meets the eye with what's happening here uh, a little bit of controversy behind it but I'm just here for the football man I'm just here for the football I'm excited to see what's happening over there remember there's a lot of incredible names there's a lot of really good players over there there's I found a deal tracker we've got ESPN here who've been following the done deals to the Saudi league and it's you know Karim Benzema to Al Itihad Kante to Al Itihad Ruben Neves to Al Hilal Koulibaly to Al Hilal Mendy to Al Hilal you got Steven Gerrard coaching Al Etifak you got Brozovic from Inter to Al Nassar you got Jota from Celtic to Al Itihad you got Firmino from Liverpool to Al Ali you got Sergei Milinkovic Savage from Lazio to Al Hilal uh, Seiko Fofana from Lanz to Al Nassar Alex Tellers from Manchester United to Al Nassar Jordan Henderson from Liverpool to Al Etifak uh, Riyad Mahrez from Manchester City to Al Ali Alan St. Maximan from Newcastle to Al Ali Fabinho from Liverpool to Al Etihad and Mane from Bayern Munich to Al Nassar so this is a lot man this is a lot already and the article goes on to say there's talks ongoing Neymar Neymar from PSG to Al Hilal these are in talks these are talks that are ongoing yeah Zayic from Chelsea to Al Nassar Bernardo Silva from Manchester City to Al Hilal um, and Paul Pogba from Juventus to Al Ali so yeah man they're not messing around they're not messing around in Saudi and I've got the article from Reuters that I was talking about where they're expanding upon the public investment fund details which I briefly mentioned last week right so they're saying that the public investment fund surpasses 2.23 trillion rials now we we in the west we may not understand what that means right so let's let's dig a little bit deeper 2.23 trillion rials equates to 594 billion us dollars that's what they've got in the PIF the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund now the interesting thing about this PIF is it seems to be exactly what it says in the name a public investment fund you can buy shares of it and the PIF said it generated a total shareholders return of 8% and established 25 companies in 2022 That's interesting, isn't it? You can invest in the PIF and they got an 8% return. That's very interesting. And this article goes on with a lot more details that you guys can read about. One thing I thought was interesting is the Crown Prince saying that there was a transfer of 4% of shares in Saudi Aramco worth 80 billion US dollars to the PIF. 
and a second transfer of 4% worth about the same amount. And this one goes to the PIF's subsidiary, Sanabil Investments. So there seems to be a lot going on with this PIF if you wanted to look into Saudi Aramco and all of these other companies. It might be something like an ETF, like an exchange traded fund, where there's like a basket of companies all within this one container. And then you just buy the container and, you know, it promises to give you a good return on your investment. 8%, that's not bad, is it? That's not bad, is it? But then, like I say, the other article in the Financial Times is talking about human rights and stuff like that. So... I don't know, I'm not doing financial advice. I'm just reading this article and saying it's interesting. So, clearly a lot of money in Saudi. And a lot of players going over there as well. And like I say, if you want to watch the highlights of the last Al Nassar match, you can watch that where Sadio Mani made his debut and he's playing with Cristiano Ronaldo. And one of my favourite players is over there, Talisca, the Brazilian so I'm going to be watching Al Nassar at any opportunity I can get, man. Talisca's a quality player. If you've never seen him play, he's worth a watch. He's one of those Brazilians that can do free kicks. He scores amazing free kicks. He's got good dribbling skills, as you'd expect from a Brazilian, man. He's a skillful player and he's a quality left footer as well. His left foot is like a hammer, man. He slaps the ball. Um, last thing I want to talk about is just a little transfer roundup real quick got this article from TNT Sports again you can get that in the notes and what they've got here is like a, a transfer tracker and they said Brighton have agreed a deal for Mohamed Kudus and I'm just like you've got to be kidding me this is a guy who I outlined as one of the best young players in the World Cup along with Jorian Timber Timber's made his way over to Arsenal now. Kudus looking like he's making his way over to Brighton. I would have loved for Arsenal to sign this lad. I absolutely would have loved it. I would love it. Absolutely just love it. But to Brighton, I think if I think Arsenal could potentially hijack that deal. I know it sounds horrible to say that, but it's the kind of thing that happens in football. Deals get hijacked. And this is one where you know, we've got Saka playing on the right and we've been running him into the ground and it's tricky to find somebody that good who could replace him because he's a winger, but he's got such good defensive forward play and he's so good defensively, you can literally play him at left back and he can defend against the best attackers in the league and, and do well. Like who, what other winger is out there that can do that? Who could replace him? And you don't feel like there's a dip in quality. You don't feel like you're missing Saka. There's not really many players that I know of that could do that. And I think Kudus is probably the only one. The only kind of like-for-like replacement. He's left-footed. He's young. He's got that kind of hunger and that desire to run and to work and grind. He's skillful. He's actually more skillful than Saka is. Like, he's a baller. If you give him the ball at his feet, like, he's, he's a proper dribbler, man. He's sick. So there's so many parallels to their game. And I've described him as uh, Saka from Amsterdam before. You know, if you stick him on the right wing, he'd be a great person to rotate with Bukayo. But I think Arsenal's broke at the moment. There's been a lot of deals that have been done already. You know, there's n- maybe there's no more money. 
Maybe somebody has to be sold first. <sighs> Maybe the club just aren't interested in him. I don't know, man. I don't know. I feel like that's some missed opportunity there. Um. Yeah, there's a few more stories in this thing, but I can't be bothered to go through all of them. To be honest with you, um, Arsenal just won the Champions. Um, this charity shield. Excuse me. I've had a bit to drink. <laughs> I'm such a laid back and chilled out move. I'm literally slouching in my chair as I record this. This is the most chilled out and laid back recording. I've been talking for a lot longer than I anticipated. Uh, we've gone into extra time here on the podcast. So I'm definitely going to be wrapping this up now. But yeah, um, make sure you follow us. Like and subscribe and all of that good stuff. At BRB Pods on the socials if you want to pick up on one of these talking points and continue the conversation I would love to engage with you guys from all over the world shout out to all of you boys and girls um, and non-binary peoples anybody if you show us love we show you love back that's how it is I'm going to catch you guys on the next episode look after yourselves and peace peace